Hello everyone, my name is Alexis Milligan from Bunamakwadi, Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, and welcome to Finding Creativity. Today I am talking with Dr. Jeff McLeod. Jeff is a professor and current chair of the Department for Politics, Economics and Canadian Studies at Mount St. Vincent University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He holds a PhD in political science from Western University and his research explores politics, culture and art through arts-based methods of inquiry. Journals in which his work is published include Tolkien Studies, Myth Lore Malorn, The Artifice, the International Journal of the Image, the Canadian Journal of Political Science, and the Canadian Parliamentary Review. Jeff is also an active visual artist, and his mediums are drawing, painting, and digital art. Now, I have had the opportunity to teach a few workshops in presence and whole-person communications with some of Jeff's political studies students, but our conversations about creativity and imagination have always seemed a bit too short. So today, Jeff and I are on a quest to see if we can find creativity in the magic of politics. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Alexis. How are you? I'm great. Um, mm. Before we begin, I just have to say that I feel like you and I have had these little short snippets of chats sort of at the, just before we go into your class or sort of just after in the hallway about creativity, imagination, and their connection to the political landscape and the world right now. But we've never really had the like time to kind of sit down and really go through this. Like I'm so excited that we've got some time to actually dive into this idea today. Well, uh, thank you for the invitation, Alexis. I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I agree. We haven't we've known each other fairly well for years now, and we've never really had this opportunity because we're always passing each other in the hall or busy yeah. going off to other things. So now yep. it's nice to be able to sit down and actually get into this a bit. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's start. First question off the bat: What does creativity mean to you? When you hear the word creativity, how do you define it? Well. <laughs> You know, creativity as a concept, you, we, one could get into a, a discussion about what it means neurologically or uh, from a science perspective. Mm -hmm. But for me, a very operational, you know, does it, does it help you think imaginatively mm -hmm. about the current things that you're facing in life? And, mm -hmm. and, and when I say imagine, that means being able to picture something that isn't actually present. And I'm paraphrasing mm -hmm. from a famous essay by J.R.R. Tolkien on fairy stories and mm -hmm. being able to imagine something or picture something in your mind's eye and being able to make it happen is, is, an, is an amazing, magical, enchanting power. And I think that's creativity on the broadest sense. On a very operational sense, looking at it from, you know, a political mm -hmm. lens, I guess, or political studies lens, it's being able to imagine multiple solutions to a single problem. We're often taught in school, okay, two plus two is four. And I guess on one level that's true, but can you imagine other variables or other ways you can think about a simple equation? And being able to imagine multiple possibilities is a really important skill to have when you're thinking politically, especially if you're a practicing politician or involved mm -hmm. in that area. Mm -hmm. You've got to be creative or, you know, 
you might not get your job after the next election. So, you know, and it has to work. You know, it's not a theory. It has to be something that works on the ground. Right. Um, oftentimes there's uh, suggestions or the that sort of there's a correlation between the arts and being creative, that in order to be creative, you have to be artistic in some capacity. Do you think that there's a connection in that sense? Uh, artistic in the sense of uh, if, if you mean that by a profession that. Mm-hmm one needs to be an artist in order to be creative. I don't agree with that. Obviously artists need to be creative. It's part of their livelihood, mm-hmm. but um, from anyone, I think, and I mean, anyone can benefit from arts training from a professional point of view. If you're taking arts based courses, either mm-hmm. at the university level or theater or music mm-hmm. or, or, or visual, visual mm-hmm. arts, that is directly applicable to what I know, my profession in political studies and cultural studies as an academic, and also having worked in the field, I worked in Parliament Hill, I worked at province house here in Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. at you know pretty pretty significant levels of uh, as a political aide or a policy advisor. So mm-hmm. creativity has served me well throughout my career. It served me well doing my dissertation. It served me well in a lot of aspects of my life. So I don't think it's necessarily restricted to someone that you know, says on their CV that they are an artist, which, mm-hmm. you know, I don't claim that title, but right. I, I consider myself artistic, but not, you know, I don't put right. that as a title on my CV or whatever. Right. So again, that there's a differentiation that being artistic, being creative, yes, there's some crossover, but one does not exclusively define the other. No, there's this false, uh, mm-hmm. and I mean, I guess I can say this as a political studies mm-hmm. professor, mm-hmm. there is this false binary between, oh, you're either artsy or you're, you're not, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that you're either trained in it or you're not trained in it. And that's, we you know, the commodification of credentials and being able to claim a space is, is, is part of our society. It's just, uh, it's unfortunate because it, it can, it can allow some to think, oh, I can't be creative because right. for whatever reason. So the limitations mm. end up coming with that, that binary sort of de- definitive, you know, separation of the two. We end up really limiting some of those imaginative possibilities you were just talking about. Oh, there's no question about that. I, th- right. I think in the, in the academy, no matter what discipline, and I have friends in the natural sciences and chemistry and physics and biology, mm. that at, at the highest levels, those that are really making innovative change are creative people. They're artistic and they're usually doing something outside of their profession that's artistic. They're either photographers or painters or musicians. <laughs> and uh, you have to think creatively at that, you know, at the doctorate level. That's mm-hmm. that's the difference between right. someone that, that's just trying to figure out a field and someone that's able to play within it and do amazing right. things is that they can think, I believe, I've assert that they think creatively about it. Right. So how do you relate to this idea of creativity? Like how, how do you encounter this in your life? How do I encounter it? Um, mm. I consider myself, you know, I've, I've always drawn and painted. I, I love graphic novels, video games, uh, role-playing games. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and as a kid, you know, I had some, some challenges. I wasn't much, much of an athlete and, uh, mm-hmm. I was tall, but I was, I still wasn't much of an athlete. And, I, and, uh, and my superpower came from being the kid that everybody turned to, to get drawings done or do some mm-hmm. painting or, or, or play imaginative games. And they, and so from a young age, I really felt it was, 
you know, something that was important. And I thought mm -hmm. something that most people had. And mm -hmm. it only surprised me much later to learn that this isn't something that uh, that that is universal or universally accepted as, as part of your life. So I've used, it's, it's always traveled with me, uh, mm -hmm. that need to imagine, create, daydream, uh, picture things and as stories and uh, apply it to my research and teaching in what some would call a traditional field of some call it political science, I call it political studies. Uh, uh, you know, politics is a creative endeavor. It is mm -hmm. the art of the possible. It is could be a beautiful thing. Often it mm -hmm. doesn't come out that way, but mm -hmm. it, it could be. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a very social community building exercise of how we communicate, share and share power. That is something that, uh, that, that, that ultimately is a creative endeavor and politicians mm -hmm. at the highest levels that are successful usually have a really creative approach to how they how they approach their profession as a politician. Right. And so how do you find creativity showing up in your research? Well, it, it can manifest itself in many ways. Uh, the part that I find interesting is looking at uh, the act of politics as an act of leadership and mm -hmm. how elections and campaigns and public policy can be cast and shaped and formed as a creative endeavor that that makes it palatable or even aspirational aspirational something that mm -hmm. can be uh, something that people strive for so I'm really interested in a lot of different aspects of cultural imagery and how how one can take the political and its application to society and make it more inclusive, more diverse, mm -hmm. more equitable. And mm -hmm. creativity, I think, is a portal for doing that. Mm -hmm. Good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah ultimately, you know, what creativity has given me is this notion that I've borrowed from others called uh, radical empathy. Mm -hmm. And if you're creative, a creative person, then you can imagine what others are going through. You can experience there, especially someone like you that have trained so long in, in drama and theater, being able to adopt the persona of the other, you can really actually feel what their pain is, know them, know them at, at an artistic level. And if you can do that politically, if, if, you're, if you're a politician or if you're making policy, then you can really imagine how those that are going to be affected by what you're doing, how they're going to feel, how it's going to impact them, then you may, may be more empathetic. And I, mm -hmm. I mean, politics is ultimately, if it's at its best, is, is an empathetic exercise. And I think creativity is a portal for that. Right. I just want to branch out a little bit into um, the your connections that you've done in this incredible extensive work you've done in the world of Tolkien and its relationship to politics and political landscape. And I'm just wondering, how did you find your way into that as an entry point to talk about what is happening in the world? Uh, wow, that is a great question. And I'm going to try to limit it. <laughs> and, and so <laughs> I don't send your viewers running in the opposite direction. I, I love Tolkien stuff. I, I loved it as a kid. Um, uh, I read Lord of the Rings in junior high school when I, you know, it was hard to get my attention to read anything. And this mm -hmm. is a thousand page book over mm -hmm. spread over three books, but he wanted it to be only one book. And I devoured it. And I've read it many times since. And I just thought like many, oh, especially growing up in Sydney, Cape Breton is a very 
then in the 1980s, very practical. You just got training, got a job at the plant or whatever. And the and arts and the relationship between the arts and other things wasn't entirely clear to me. And I just thought they were separate things. And then much later, I determined that, hey, you can study this. You can make this part of your... And, and it was a, a good friend, a colleague of mine, Dr. Anna Small. She's on the just a few doors down from my office, an English professor, a medievalist who mm. speaks Latin and Old English and is a Tolkien specialist. And we collaborated on a few uh, articles and I was able to take my visual art and incorporate it into my understanding of Tolkien as a visual imaginative storyteller. Mm. And so uh, working with her and I could go to conferences, one of the highlights of my life and people you know, strive to get to these amazing places and do all these things. And I, and I do that too, but, mm-hmm. but one of, my, one of my greatest achievements was I was able to go to the Bodleian Library, which is the collection for, for Tolkien's uh, papers, one of them wow. uh, anyway, at Oxford. And some say, oh, I'd like to go to this famous place or do the same. And, and I, and I, was thrilled just to sit in the library more or less by myself with files that were written mm-hmm. with in wow. Tolkien's original yeah. hand. And I thought, okay, I've made it. And I was able to go to the pub where he sat down with the Inklings called the Eagle and Child and, uh, and made a lot of his stories with his friends. And, and, uh, and I, I just feel, you know, there's a creative life lived and I admire mm-hmm. that in him, what I know of his life. And I try to emulate that myself and, and trying to be creative, trying to surround myself with creativity and, and see it where it isn't obvious, mm-hmm. I guess. So are there times when you feel more or less creative? Like, are there conditions that influence how creative you're feeling? Yeah, when I'm sitting at a Senate meeting or <laughs> looking at <laughs> a, a university Senate on a board, you know, if you're going through minutes or if you're looking at raw data from a survey or something like right. that, that can be creative. I don't want to dismiss it as not being no, creative, sure. but, yeah. but, you know, we're not always, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> making poetry or whatever it is right. we do. It's, yeah, it, yeah. There's a balance in that sort mm-hmm. of thing. But to me, it's a very, uh, it, that doesn't happen often, right? Mm-hmm. I, if, 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 if you keep me too long in a boring meeting, I'll start doodling or I'll right. start, or I'll start imagining characters across it. <laughs> and uh, I have a reputation of doodling. I got in trouble in school so often for doodling all over my workbooks mm-hmm. and whatnot. And, and I still do it now. And it's how I remember things. I, I will doodle when I'm taking notes or listening to a speaker and some might think I'm not paid attention, but it's the opposite. I'm hyper attentive. So right. when I'm drawing or, or doodling and I'm listening, I'm absorbing it on uh, several levels. And I find it's an aid to help me right. remember and recall and access what I'm hearing right. as opposed to a barrier. It's uh, the, uh, a very uncreative teacher would prevent students from doodling. I think doodling is a very creative act. Right. But, uh, but anyway, I, that's a bias, I guess. I so this is, so let's thread that through to looking back at your, your youth, your education, you said growing up in, in Sydney. And what were some of those influences that shaped how you saw yourself as being creative or not creative? Wow. That is, that is your testing me today I don't <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be honest I'm turning 55 this year so and, and, and for my 55th birthday I'm gonna go back to Sydney Cape Breton I'm gonna visit all the old places I grew up mm-hmm. in just to try to reflect on that experience and right. and and so I've been thinking about this a little bit so your question is is mm-hmm. apt mm-hmm. Um, I mean that is it's hard to point to one thing I mean I have what I had was supportive parents. Uh, right. And my father was a fisher who became a public administrator. My mother was 
a homemaker who um, who for a time ran a nursery school out of her home, but she she always had time for us and was uh, we were always encouraging us to be you know to read and draw and paint and mm -hmm. neither neither one of them uh, had post secondary education, but they were rich in in how they approach life and how they helped their children, you know, be able to see the world from multiple lenses. And mm -hmm. so I had a safe, supportive space and my parents supplied me with art supplies mm -hmm. and uh, and it started from there. I have to admit, you know, I, I was frustrated a bit with Cape Breton education. I don't want to turn this into a political, mm -hmm. I mean, the 1980s education was being cut across the province mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'd never encountered, we had a couple little art courses in elementary school, mm -hmm. and I'd never encountered an art course again after grade six until mm -hmm. I went to university. Mm -hmm. Nothing, zip. Uh, and uh, there would be some after school programs for music and whatnot. I remember a little bit with drama, they had a unit in drama, mm -hmm. but I don't remember anything in the visual arts. And so it was a lean time. So I got a lot of my art education informally you know mm. reading comic books and graphic novels i'm a comic book fan and mm -hmm. so comics mean something to me because in a world where you're that could be seem as gray and mundane comics i got it i remember i got a paper route and i made about 12 bucks every two weeks because they had child mm. no child labor mm -hmm. laws yeah. and, <laughs> and i took my 12 dollars to the ga's grocery store or ga's dairy it was a mm -hmm. little corner store and i blew it all on comic books every right. two weeks <laughs> and that was my visual art education right. for the most part and i my parents enrolled me in some courses every once in a while to keep at school to crafts that sort of thing and i enjoyed right. those but mm -hmm. uh but it was really very much self-guided and after and after i got to university i, I could see from at Cape Breton University and again at Western, uh, especially moving to Ontario, I have to say, mm -hmm. I have uh, a lot of affection for Western and London and Ottawa where I lived mm -hmm. for a little while. I mean, I got to there and the arts were important. Like right. it mattered. Like there were people that studied this and did this and it was mattered. And, and I thought, I didn't think a place existed like this. I just didn't right. think. Uh, and uh, and I thrived there and I really started to study it more formally, art, visual art and visual culture. And I practiced it more professionally, I guess, if that's the word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Howard, maybe when did you figure out or begin to understand the role creativity plays in your work, that connection and that crossover into political studies? Was there an aha moment? Is this something that kind of developed over time? Uh, developed over time, but aha, I mean, my dissertation, I mean, mm -hmm. the, when you get a doctorate, it's a, it's not a, it's not a, it's quite a, it's quite a marathon. Uh, mm -hmm. And most people take about seven years mm -hmm. or more to, to achieve the degree. Mm -hmm. And I, I got it in four years. I worked hard at it, but a lot of people work hard. And the reason why people would not get their doctorate is because they struggle with the dissertation. This is a book length right. project that you have a yeah. committee of people that have to review. And I viewed it more like a painting than mm -hmm. writing a project. So than writing a book. So if, if, if you start to write it linearly one page after the other, it gets very daunting and you right. can get tripped up really fast. But I viewed it more holistically as okay the underpainting the layers of paintings and you can go and adjust it when you need it to to and it, and it just it made it a much more doable project so I was able to get through it 
not not too strenuously, you know, and I never got stuck. If, it, if you're writing something or thinking of something in a linear way, then once you had a barrier to it, then that stopped everything. Mm-hmm. But if I hit a barrier, I was able to work on other things and build up other aspects of it. And so if I, view, I viewed it more like I would do an oil painting than anything else, and it, it just made it a lot more easy to co- a lot easier to cope with. Right. I mean, on the practical level, if I'm interpreting your question, mm-hmm. when I worked in politics, in Parliament Hill, for example, I learned creativity. Uh, the, the place I learned more from grad school, I have to say, even though I learned some amazing things from some amazing professors about creativity in university, there's one guy, uh, his name is Senator Michael Kirby, and uh, and he's probably not known. He has a PhD from math from Northwestern. He's a retired senator. He worked with Pierre Trudeau and did all these amazing, amazing things. But I learned creativity from him in politics because <laughs> he language and and visual imagery and how that works and how that works in communication and politics was a preoccupation of his. So, you know, when I was going through, he he was in that particular case, we were doing a study on the health system and it was a four volume, $14 million study of the Canadian health system. And that can sound like a very quantitative, very dense as it was Mm -hmm. a lot of data, but, uh, he made sure that, you know, the language he used, how we presented it, and he wanted to know what color the cover was going to be. And he wanted to know, you know, he thought very much about the, the, the positioning of it, the, mm-hmm. the, the, mm-hmm. how the press would view it, the dynamics wow. of the committee. And, uh, and, and to him, I really learned about language. He, he taught me a lot about, I won't bore you with any mm-hmm. of the details, but it was, uh, I, I just learned to be very careful about how language is used, how you put it together creatively and how terms yeah. and yeah. words activate meaning. And, yeah. you know, language is magic. Uh, your words have power. They move people. And you know this better than mm-hmm. me. I've watched you teach about it. So, you know, and in politics, Tolkien taught me this too. In politics, your language, the words and how you present them and your vocabulary are the spells you're casting every time you open your mouth. So, <laughs> and you, and you have to be careful with that. And there's mm. power there. And we've, 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 we've sometimes have forgotten that as a, uh, as a collectivity. Yeah, that, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then politics, you, you know, the people that show their power in words are, you, you can see it when you hear the right. oratory of, uh, of uh, Barack Obama or, uh, you know, uh, conversely, yeah. if you hear the the bullying of a Donald Trump, you know, mm-hmm. you know how that will change your feelings after mm-hmm. you've heard them speak mm-hmm. is. I mean, I don't even think I have to explain that. Everybody knows those you kind of. A, yeah. You can feel it. You can yeah. feel it. And politics yeah. is about feeling more than anything else. That's beautiful. So, how do you talk about and share your experiences? with creativity, with this idea of this power of language, you know, with other people in your life and your work, does it come up at all? It does. Uh, I've created a course, which you've helped me with, uh, (laughs) as you know, so is uh, uh, called Image and Power. And I find with creativity and politics, I can talk about it a lot if people will let me and Mm. as you're experiencing now. (laughs) So, but, but you don't really get it till you feel it and you have to do it to feel Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when I teach arts-based methods, I call them arts-based methods of research and inquiry and teaching. 
uh, one has to put their hand to it. You have to try to make a speech. You have to try to make a painting. You have to try to make a drawing or try to make it and, 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 and think about the political imagery around it. And it's not with the intent of becoming necessarily in my course, a professional artist at all. It's being able to activate that part of your brain that, mm. uh, that this place goes to when it needs to, to make and share meaning. And, uh, and it's it, if it's just kept on the abstract level, we can admire from afar the oratory of a Justin Trudeau or a Barack Obama or a Bill Clinton or whoever, uh, yeah, or uh, or uh, you know Angela Merkel or or or, politi- or Hillary Clinton or somebody like that, and uh, or we could and and that's fine. And you can just say, oh, we can never be like those people. They have some special power we can't access. Or we can say, no, how do they do it? What, mm-hmm. what are they doing? And how, how can we make that a part of our understanding of how the political works? And once you unlock that, that ability to use your enchantment, your magic mm-hmm. power, your words, mm-hmm. pictures, sound, to be able to create meaning and feeling, once you figure out how to do that, then, um, then you know, the sky's the limit. And I really believe that. And I've seen it because I've seen it yeah. happen. I've seen it happen with students say, you know, yeah. they come in in one place and they leave in another and the world's never the same way <laughs> again that, for them would, and us. Would, right? yeah, I'd love to go and kind of go into that a little deeper. What What is the response from your students when you bring an idea like this to the table, which they may have never encountered before? Uh, the first response is utter fear. Uh, <laughs> utter, utter, oh, I can't, I, I, I think I could... This will be the epitaph of my, mm-hmm. I can't draw a straight line <laughs> is what they'll right. tell me. And I can't, I'm not creative. I don't know how to do it. I can't figure it out. And I hear it every time. And I, mm-hmm. to my point now where my eyes just glaze over when I hear that. <laughs> and, then, and, uh, and, and I'll hear from other professors. I can't draw a straight line. I mean, to me, that's just unbelievable. It's like saying, oh, I don't know what the alphabet is or something like that. Well, one, it's not drawing a bunch drawing a straight line. I don't want you to draw a straight line. I want you to know how to make curved lines. I want you mm-hmm. to know how to make expressive lines and powerful lines. And uh, and so once we get over that fear, and I think of some exercises in class I go through just to say, hey, this isn't something you can't do, that you've been told that, your society tells you that, that this is a magic power that only is open to a few and you don't have any place in it and it takes a bit of it takes a bit of work to get people there that hey you can be creative mm-hmm. it isn't it isn't something that's not available to you mm-hmm. and so uh and and i push a bit to have students develop creative projects creative imagery uh mm-hmm. and just explore it themselves and, and find their voice and be able to have the tools to express it and um and it, you know, it's it's amazing when you see it. When you mm-hmm. when you see it, happen. it doesn't always work. It does mm-hmm. a lot though. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, and, and it's not. It, I just provide the tools. It's they do it. They have it in them. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and uh, they just have to have permission to do it. And, right. And that usually works. It's all like you know. I could go on for quite a long time, but it, <laughs> as as you know. Uh, Ian, your producer, will get angry with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're doing well. We still have a few minutes, and I'm down okay. to my last couple of questions, so we're doing great. great. Um, I'm, I'm so, speaking way more than I thought, so you're good No, it's great. <laughs> yeah, this right. is, but this you, is exactly you, what, again, what we're doing with this this podcast is a form of research, which is exactly like you say, the moment yeah. of, I can't, I don't, I can't, don't draw a straight line, I can't dance, I can't sing, mm. to that moment of going, it's not about actually singing, actually dancing, actually drawing. Mm. This is about finding how you can 
overcome that feeling of fear to be able to find new ways of expressing yourself, tapping into that imagination, finding that clarity, putting sort of new ideas together to create something new. Um, and I think that that journey has been so interesting to see and exactly what we're doing with this podcast. So you're, you're really you're nailing it. This is great. <laughs> you're doing fine. That's good. Too. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> excellent. So my, I, have a, I get like, lucky just, every once in a while. Yeah, really. Exactly. Thanks. So yeah. this is a bit of a, a gear change question. Um, have you found any connections between your sense of health and well-being and your engagement with creativity and imagination? Wow, those these are great questions, Alexis. I really, I mean, I, I'm not just saying that. I, 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 um, I, I think I'll answer this with a, a, a small personal story, and yeah, I and I hope right. I hope this is appropriate. Oh, uh, but a, a couple of years ago, especially during COVID, I was struggling health wise, and what I mean by that is I was just wasn't feeling my normal energetic self. I was cut off from students and that mm -hmm. sort of thing in my life, and my, and I was putting on weight. I put on more weight than I care to admit. And I thought, okay, what am I going to do now? I, I, I know my doctor was telling me I got to lose weight. There was right. health issues there. And without going in any, any gory details. And I said, mm -hmm. okay, how do I reinvent myself? And I picked up a book. By, uh, I, 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 I was able to change. I, mm -hmm. I lost a pile of weight, changed my body, changed my outlook. Mm -hmm. And it, would, it wasn't, it wasn't any medical literature I looked at. It wasn't, it wasn't any special diet. I'm not on any special diet. I, it wasn't any kind of thing you find on Instagram where mm -hmm. it says, click this and mm -hmm. you become instantly changed. That didn't, mm -hmm. I knew that wouldn't work. Uh, it was reading a book by Joseph Campbell mm -hmm. and it wasn't his famous book of a, a hero with a thousand faces. Yeah. He's a, the famous cultural uh, anthropologist. Uh, he's deceased now, but he, in his time, he was, you know, really a, a leading expert on world mythologies. Mm -hmm. I used and to my masters, yeah. <laughs> so you know his work fairly well. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he wrote a simpler, a simple book, and you know, uh, uh, one 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 really good one is called Goddesses, and another mm -hmm. one is on uh, just the mythical being. I think I'm not getting the title right. I'll have to look it up. And it was just really about how do you imagine yourself mythologically. Who, oh, who do you wow. imagine yourself as being mythologically? And and I thought, okay. And I, I thought about that for a little while. And I thought, mm. who is Jeff O'Cloud? What is this mythological? And right. he was thinking about it in mythological terms. And it's hard to describe in just a few seconds. But when when you think about yourself in those terms, mm -hmm. when you're, you're able to reinvent yourself a bit, you're able mm. to take yourself, hey, I, uh, you know, from, from, um, you know, you know the, the old line from Picasso. Whatever you can imagine is real. Whatever right, you yeah. can be made real. What, yeah. uh, what, what? And and uh, Joseph Campbell's words really, along along a similar vein, really made me think about that. Hey, I have control over this. I can think about who I want to be. I can think about the the elements of my life and see the world in more mythological terms and mm -hmm. not just this crude you know, rock and, mm -hmm. and, and, but, but more mythologically. And, and, and it got a lot easier to change and become what I wanted to be. Right. And I thought, you know, and I've, I've always, I've gone back to that book every once in a while and just his work in general. And I, and I felt, you know, this is, this is where my artistic creative side, mm -hmm. being able to connect with a meaningful text and be able to say, mm -hmm. Hey, that I have enough power that I can do this. I can make changes mm -hmm. and make it mm -hmm. make it better. And uh, and I guess it's a very applied, practical example. So um, 
you know, so when people say, Jeff, you really changed, you lost a lot of weight. What do you, how'd you do it? And I, I can't really give them any advice because right. I'm going to say you could read Joseph Campbell, but that might, <laughs> might help you, might not, but, if, but, yeah. but there's yeah. nothing in that book. There's nothing about weight loss or heart health or, yeah, <laughs> or yeah, nothing yeah. in that book about it, but it just struck me as a way of how to see the world and how to see mm-hmm. yourself in it a little differently. And I think creativity yeah. gives you that. And right. I, that's probably all, it, you know, it's hard to either either say it in a sentence or it takes two years to say it. So yeah, I'll right. just leave it yeah. at that. I think right. <laughs> that's beautiful. Um, so this is my last question, um, mm-hmm. just to kind of wrap it all together. In what feels like a very fraught time in various political landscapes, uh, what do you think we should keep in mind about the relationship between politics and creativity? What should we be holding on to as we look forward um, in our future? Well, I like to imagine possibilities. I like to imagine that uh, that and and uh, you know it, it 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 seems like doom and gloom and hopelessness, and I don't think that necessarily. Uh, there is that uh, Tolkien called it the U catastrophe, the unexpected term a turn from turn from uh, disaster to good to something positive coming out of it. He said we had the word catastrophe, which we're all familiar with. He said we needed another term, eucatastrophe, which is the turning from the awful to the good. And I believe that mm-hmm. there is a possibility of the eucatastrophe in it. And uh, and, it, and we seem very polarized, very di- divided. And the, and the voices that are dominating our political discourse, especially from the United States, seem to reinforce that. And that can make things very heavy and very difficult. Mm-hmm. But uh, creativity can, can uh, offer other paths and other opportunities. And, um, and there's an empowerment in arts-based methods and arts-based learning. If, if you get narrative, if you feel it in yourself and you have the ability to kind of translate it to others, mm-hmm. then there's a hopefulness in that. There's an empowerment in that. You can think, oh, wow. And I, again, as a teacher, I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. And um, so I, I have, uh, despite my training and time in government, I, mm-hmm. I have hope. I'm, I'm a hopeful person. I'm generally mm-hmm. an optimistic person because I think, there, if if you don't get cut off, the only time I feel despair is when I'm cut off from that creative spark within mm-hmm. me, that creative ability to be mm-hmm. able to mm-hmm. make narrative and share it. And if if you retain that, then uh, then then those that are trying to stifle those voices or repress yeah. them or hurt yeah. them, they can be washed away, and that can happen very quickly. And I and I and I think we. You know, there's a possibility for that. I'm, 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 st- I'm still very hopeful, and, and, and often those kind of forces raise the counter forces against them, that mm-hmm. that wipe it away, and that, and that, and that has to be a creative force. That has to be creativity. The art of politics will make it better. Not, not you can't math your way out of it. Just the math can be creative too. But you know what I mean. It's yeah, not. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not. A, it's not. A, it's not a dry rational process. It's going to help us. It's going to be a creative flair that will that will save us. I believe. Wow. Wow. Well, this has been an incredible conversation today. Thank you. And you're you're absolutely right. I feel like we could go on for another hour. And I've been sitting, you know, very obediently ready to go through my questions and have so many more bubbling to the surface. And so I'm just sort of going, oh, great. Okay. Can't wait to have our coffee next week and kind of go back into all of that this. That sounds again. great, Alexis. And you're good. I mean, I'm surprising given what I've just said. I'm not really much of a talker. I don't talk about myself a lot, even with my students, but you managed it. So I'm. Yeah. 
get you get you get a prize for that. You get a prize. For that. Excellent. I, I, like I, this. I don't I don't I don't do that very often at all. So I really enjoyed this. This is oh, a lot of fun. Wonderful. Thank mm -hmm. you so much, Jeff. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks, Alexis. Okay. So, any thoughts or ideas about creativity coming to mind? We'd love to hear them if you're up for sharing. Please email us at atlantic.creativity at gmail.com and let us know, and maybe a little bit about where you are finding creativity in your life. A big thank you to my co-producer, Ian Sherwood, who also wrote and performed our theme music. Also, this podcast would not be possible without the support of Dale Ritchie at Mackenzie College, the chair of the ACC, Mary Blatherwick, and all of our steering committee members. If you would like more information about the ACC and the work we are doing, you can head over to our website, which is in the bio. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and we hope you will join us again for another deep dive into finding creativity.